0: Hey everyone, this is Chad, checking in from sunny Philippines, the land of 80s karaoke, and you are listening to the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. Surely fans, we have an amazing exciting episode for you today this is literally an album that we racked our brains for months trying to come up with something to compare it to and only by comparing the movies did we find a way to compare two legitimately incredible albums of 1984.
1: They're two of the best sellers of 1984. Purple Rain is one of the best sellers of all time. Yes. And actually, we are recording this today on June 25th, 2021. It is the 37th anniversary of the release of the soundtrack of the movie Purple Rain.
0: You guys won't hear it for a couple of weeks, but we are just blessed by divinity to, <laughs> to have gotten here today. Just, I mean, we decided two days ago, let's just record this on Friday and boom it happened to be the exact day that it was released.
1: There's a legitimate case to be made that this is the best album of the
0: 80s, possibly? There's a legitimate case that this is the best album of all time. Wow! I mean, it's, it's... Jump and back. It's it's, <laughs> it's incredible. Yes. All right. How'd you like to waste some time? I cannot resist. This is really gross. Stop <laughs> this right now. Let's not let this joke go any further. <laughs> I don't want to
1: stop till I reach the top. Let's dive into purple rain track by track. So-
0: Purple Rain. All right, before we jump into our first track, we need to know that this album was produced, arranged, and composed by Prince and The Revolution.
1: Yeah, it's the first album that The
0: Revolution gets any kind of credit. Well, on 1999, in the album cover, he wrote, like, backwards in, like, one of the letters, The Revolution, but this is the one that they actually, in the album notes, they get full credit. Okay, cool. Now, Prince primarily is the composer of all of this stuff. This album
1: won two Grammy Awards and an Academy Award. Yeah. This won the Academy Award for Best Original Song Score for the movie Purple Rain.
0: Yeah. Okay. So before we jump in, let's talk album cover. We typically do that. Yeah. Iconic album cover. Yes. Prince on his motorcycle in New York City, except... It's not in New York City. It's a back lot at Warner Brothers Studios on Hennessy Street, but made to look like one of the tenements in New York City. Really? Yeah.
1: Okay. I just figured it was Minneapolis.
0: No. Okay. No, yeah. They, it's not Minneapolis. It's not New York City. It's, yeah, it's the back lot of Warner Brothers. I'm wondering if they took this picture after they went to L.A. to reshoot the skinny dip in the Lake Minnetonka scenes with her when she got so sick after the jumping in the water. Probably in so. Minneapolis winter.
1: Probably so. Just for the record. Yeah. On this record. Yes. 13 times platinum, over 25 million units sold. Wow. 25 million. I think it was like standard issue to everybody in my fourth grade class. I mean, just everybody got a copy of Purple Rain.
0: I got a question for you. So did you have this? Because you've talked routinely about how your dad would check your yeah. song lists, And I don't see how the, the no, th- this one Tipper didn't. Gore <laughs> Filthy 15 soundtrack would... <laughs> would have made it past your dad this one did not pass inspection at the colvin household so this was under the table
1: this was under the table yeah. for sure you yes were
0: recording songs off the radio getting stuff from friends mostly uh recording stuff off the radio was how i
1: got a hold of this one, you right know? darling Nikki at my house was uh against the rules for sure yeah all
0: right well let's dive in track by track track by track best freaking song for the first song on the album let's go crazy
1: This may be the greatest entry song of any album in the 1980s.
0: The intro to this song is- I'm
1: saying this song, like the
0: first track on any album in the 80s. Oh, yeah. It is my favorite song on the album. Okay. It's one of the greatest albums of the 80s. So potentially, this is the greatest song of the 80s. It's it's in the conversation. It is definitely in the conversation. We start with this amazing organ. We have Dearly Beloved as though we're here at a funeral for this thing called life.
1: <laughs> Whenever I walk by a hot mic, or where, wherever I am, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I find a hot mic. I don't do check, check, check. I do Dearly Beloved. We are gathered here today. Yeah, it just
0: comes out yeah and you're locked into every word right you you are wondering what it is he's talking about I mean if this is your first time to hear the song you're like, what is going on here yeah what's on this rock album and so you're totally bought in and then the drum comes in just before the organ fades out and then you get this awesome guitar power chord it's incredible This is an amazing song and it's about God and the devil of all things
1: yeah let's talk about the the Christian overtones to this song I'm gonna let me
0: Okay, so going crazy and going for a higher floor is about God. I mean, you can't just say God in a song, so you have to disguise it as something. And so going crazy and going higher, that's about God. And then the elevator, it's not just the elevator. See, I thought it was the elevator for like years and years and years. Yeah, so Prince has... You know, you you can see it in his song titles like I Would Die For You, Nothing Compares to me. You. Like he abbreviates you and uses the numeral two for the word two all the time. Like even when he's handwriting notes, that book that I told you I read, The Beautiful Ones, it was it was largely composed from notes that he had written. They left in, I mean, he would draw the picture of an eye, like a blinking eye for the word eye. Like I Would Die yes, For You? Yes. Yeah. And so that's how that book is written. So D Elevator was the way that he wrote the lyrics. He didn't write it, the elevator. It was devil and devil got translated into the elevator because the devil brings you down. Okay,
1: awesome. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we should mention that anytime we say the words four or two or you, please, when you're listening at home, just substitute the numbers or the uh, the big letter.
0: Make it as short as you can. (laughs) Pretend like your teenager is texting you. Prince set the stage in the early 80s on how to communicate by text.
1: <laughs> That's good. Okay, so I want to talk about the lyrics on this. This is okay. something I just just discovered. Okay. Okay. So you have that big intro, the the sort of eulogy at the beginning, George okay. Clinton style. Okay. Uh, Doctor, everything gonna be all right. Yes. Right. Yeah. But at the very beginning of the song, he says, "I call my old lady for a friendly word." I call my old lady a friendly word, word. She picked up the phone, dropped it on the floor. She Right. Yes. And in the lyrics, it says, in the parentheses, "Sex, sex was all I heard."
0: <laughs> he, um, he definitely, throughout all of his work, <laughs> equates sex. And God. It's kind of a weird It it is. It's a little bit weird.
1: Yeah. So this song was released July 18th, 1984. Yeah. This is right before the movie is dropped. Yeah. We talked in our preceding episode about how when Dove's Cry was blowing the roof off. Yes. He drops this one. Yes takes it a notches even higher and it's all right before the movie drops and and definitely helped propel the movie to its success. This reached number one on the Hot 100, September 29th, 1984. The second number one song in a row from this album.
0: Yeah, this one, interesting things happened with Prince's stuff after he passed away. Bruno Mars, do you remember, did you see the t- 2017 Grammys? I remember watching them. Like, lead out show was Bruno Mars dressed in the old Purple Rain regalia and he played the song. And I gotta say, I was a little Nervous when it's not, he it did a pretty darn good job.
1: Bruno Mars is about the only guy I can think of that can pull it off.
0: Yeah did did it well it was respectful well played well sung he's a he's a talented guy but later on this the song was used in a capital one commercial and like prince would never ever <laughs> ever let something like that happen i mean you right. almost couldn't get his music before he passed away i mean this it wasn't on spotify you couldn't get it anywhere you Yeah, you couldn't get it anywhere and so it was nice that it was more accessible like once he passed away which you know i hate to say that but then to have capital one whoever's running the estate that said okay capital one you Can use this song That was shocking And disheartening About what was being done
1: Yeah This song is actually Shortened When you watch the movie Mm -hmm. He plays a Long version And it's our intro You know We talked about The Godfather scene Yeah and you have a part where he kind of does this weird piano thing, uh-huh. you know, and it introduces the characters and all that stuff. But back in the day, because they were records, yeah. they had to trim it up to make sure everything fit. And right. so they had to do some cuts. They, they cut this one along with the beautiful ones and computer blue, but they cut out that middle piano part, which I didn't think was any good
0: anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I love that part of the movie, but I got to say my favorite part of this whole song is the cello at the end. the guitar solo, maybe my favorite guitar solo of all time. He kills it and he's he does like with almost that he does with this whole album, he is merging the psychedelic with this classic blues rock style and it is fire. You are 100% on the money with that. To me, this is a pop
1: song with awesome guitar. Yes. Similar, I think, in spirit to like Beat It. Yeah, very much. Beat very It is much. a pop song with Eddie Van Halen just shredded.
0: Yes. And from 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 this song, not this song alone, but I mean, just knowing the man, he doesn't come up in the conversation when you're talking about the greatest guitarists of all time, but he probably should. Yeah. He just was such a rounded musician in everything and such an incredible composer and lyricist and performer. You just don't realize, hey, he's phenomenal. I mean, you've seen the While My Guitar Gently Weeps video that, that Tom Petty did, and he comes in with that solo at the end, and it's just holy cow, he can still just shred away like he's Eddie Van Halen. Like you say you walk by a mic and you're saying, dearly beloved, if this guitar solo is, I'm going to stop whatever I'm doing. I'm going <laughs> to get on my knees. I'm going to wail away on the air guitar. So good, man. And the end where it's that. That's like a hundred blues songs in that way. But he does something so much more with that end. Oh, it's too good. And too you good. have the big take me away. Yep. So that blew our doors off. Out the out of the gate. Fantastic.
1: And then it drops us into this beautiful soft pop song called Take Me With You.
0: Okay, so we start with this drum and synthesizer thing that's almost frantic. Like, it's just, what's going on? It's like a, you know, the the panic scene in some movie and then it transitions into this. It's like we're going for a walk in the park.
1: You know, it's unconfirmed, but the urban legend is is that Sheila E at
0: the beginning of the song. Oh, it definitely it. has her sound, for yeah. sure. Definitely has her sound. So this one he had written for Apollonia 6. Apollonia is singing the co-lead in this. She's the She's the female voice that we hear. They didn't put this song in when they first laid these tracks out. They didn't have this song in there, and they had to take it out of the Apollonia 6 album. It's interesting. Albert Magnoli came to Prince and said, hey, we need something to go with
1: the, the montage of the love scene where the romance is blooming, and they're hanging out, and they're having fun, and they're getting to know each other. And he's like, well, that's great. I've got this song right here. I'm just going to take it right back from Apollonia <laughs> that was going to go on her album. Uh-huh. And he started to pull
0: stuff from her.
1: Yeah. Originally, it was Vanity Six. Yes. And then Apollonia is more of an
0: actress, you know. So from she that album. S- I thought, I was thinking about this today. She still sings well. She can sing. I mean, sing. she's not going to. I don't know that she's going to be a star singer sometime, but she's not a bad singer.
1: Her album. Listen, her album yeah. had Manic Monday, yeah. The Glamorous Life, yeah. and Take Me With You. Yeah. She could have gone a different direction. She could have. That's true. If he didn't take those songs away from her, my yeah. gosh. <laughs> Yes. So this was released January 25th, 1985. This reached number 25 on the Hot 100. This is Chris Rock's favorite Prince song.
0: This song has got strings in it. One of the first times we hear strings in Prince's music. Mm -hmm. These were not synthesized strings. These were live string musicians. And Novi Novog, usually just call her Novi, but she's one of the players in this. I heard that the strings were arranged by Wendy and Lisa. Yeah, so Lisa Coleman is... A classically trained pianist there's actually i remember this that when she met prince she met him and his dad at the same time and they're like okay we'll play a song for it she's like okay and she starts playing and they're like so what's the point in really learning technique it's not really necessary is it and she's like um by learning technique you're able to play any and every style of music and they're like oh and it totally changed the way that prince approached learning music all right awesome this little story from the beautiful ones
1: nice nice okay all right we done with this one yep moving on all right moving on to track number three this song is called the beautiful ones
0: Okay, so this is the song that he's singing to Apollonia whenever she's with Morris Day in the club, and he's trying to get her to come back, and it's also like a challenge to him, and it's interesting because he actually probably wrote this for that same reason, but with different people involved. Yeah, yeah so supposedly this was supposed to be a song written for Susanna Melvoin who's Wendy's twin sister right? right Right. that was the story for a long time and she had a boyfriend when they first met and so maybe it is that kind of thing of leave him come with me but in 2015 just a year before he passed he gave an interview and he said this song was for Vanity now if you know the story of how he met Vanity for the first time she was with Rick James oh at, like I think it was at the Grammys or something like that. And Rick James comes with in with Vanity, and you know she's just this B movie actress. But he falls in love with her on site. and so it's possible that Vanity is the Apollonia, and Rick James. Rick is... James is the Morris Day. Wow, that's awesome! <laughs> and interestingly, I'd, I'd like to see if Dave Chappelle play that whole scenario out because <laughs> both of those guys.
1: <laughs> Dave Chappelle, balls <laughs> in your core, buddy. Yeah. So this song, to me, is enhanced by the movie, okay? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. So the performance that he gives in the movie, like you said, he's singing directly to her heart. Yeah. And, it, you know, he hits those screams, and it, it's intense at the end, and it's emotion, and it's, do you want him or do you want me? Because I want you. be I just think it's it's one of those where, when I saw the movie, I thought,
0: this is a great song. Oh, yeah. So the beginning of the song starts off with these drums. It's got a similar sound almost to the drum sound in In the Air Tonight. But this was an LM-1 drum machine, and back then, there weren't very many of them, they cost about 5000 each, so not a whole lot of folks had them. He had taken that drum machine and he would run it through his guitar effects pedals, and he had kind of made his own drum sounds by using the effects that he would use on the guitar, which is how it has that kind of echoey effect at the beginning. So he kind of kept using what was old technology because he had made it his own. Interesting.
1: This song actually replaced another song called Electric Intercourse. Ooh. that was scheduled to be on the Purple Rain soundtrack, but like this one better, and I think that's a good call. I've heard Electric Intercourse, and it's not half the song that this one is. This one has been covered by Mariah Carey and Beyonce. We talked in our Def Leppard episode about mariah carey covering bringing on the heartbreak and i thought eh, it doesn't really work but her version of this song is actually good oh okay all right everybody i just want to formally invite you to come over and listen to our side project the podcast full of kryptonite with mr john reed from the 30 something movie podcast and of course you and me Dee.
0: meanwhile at the hall of justice we are the super friends
1: that's right we cover the tv show superman and lois we go over every episode we have a great
0: time and john knows so much about superman it's amazing if you love superman or even if you don't and you just want to learn more come check it out and if you haven't watched Superman and Lois yet you need to right now crawl out of your fortress of solitude and turn the TV on (laughs) podcast full of crypto that
1: moving on moving on next song on the album is a song called Computer Blue Wendy yes Lisa is the water warm enough yes Lisa
0: shall we begin yes Lisa And then we have Wendy and Lisa conjuring up images in young boys' minds back in the 80s of what the water was going to be used for.
1: All I know (laughs) is that the idea of Wendy and Lisa in the bathtub was enough to spiral my mind out of control yeah. as an 11 year old. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so then we jump into this horrendous scream and a entirely different sound, but it is fantastic. It's very computerized. It's very synthesizer heavy. And it's about the relationship of humans and computers. Interesting.
1: At a time when that was on people's minds, oh, you yeah. know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. This one involved more of the band and its composition. The keyboard baseline was something that Dr. Fink had come up with. Oh, 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 started playing it at one of their sessions the band kind of joined in and jammed over it and prince was like i like this um and he i mean for the for what the song became he brought in the bridge from this song that he had called father's song yeah that was written by his dad john l nelson it was originally a much longer song before they put in when doves cry and and uh take me with you we
1: got to listen to the part where he plays on his guitar Uh uh-huh that piano part that yep. his father wrote. Let's do it right here. interesting that Prince's dad gets a credit on the writing of this song.
0: Yeah, it is. It's really neat. Whole band gets credit and John L. Nelson. Okay, so this song was originally like 7 minutes and 30 seconds long and I think there's like a 12 minute version as Mm -hmm. well and when they, I think they've released that longer version as well, there's a hallway speech. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so he's like going down the hallway and each of the doors lead to different emotions and it's considered by Prince fans as like one of the best parts of the song that we didn't even see for a long time. But because they got to see it in the live shows, they were like, oh, this is a great part of the song, but it never made it in the album.
1: I saw an interview with Wendy Melvoin, right? Okay. And it was actually the revolution minus Prince. Okay. this okay. is after his death. Okay. And they were asking her, they're like, what's the deal with, you know, Wendy? Yes, Lisa, is the water warm enough? Yes, Lisa, right? They were asking her directly, what does that mean? She's like, well, he wanted to do something kind of alluring with that. And so he's like, here, say this. They were like, okay, all right. Is the water warm enough, you know? Yeah, and he just thought that was kind of a cool, sexy hook. So,
0: well, acting chops go as they do. Uh, Wendy's probably got the better the better acting chops. The yes, Lisa, very computerized. Could we do it a little less like a zombie this time, please?
1: Hey, Wendy does a great job in Purple Rain. When when she tells Lisa to shut up, (laughs) shut up, Lisa. It was like she said that before. Yeah, she has. Yeah, she has. She's feisty. I like her. Okay, are we done with Computer Blue? Yep, time to move on. Listen, this is a great song. Yeah. But for me, it's the weakest song in the album. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. It's more of an underlying soundtrack song than a song I want to go listen to.
1: It's a great song, but it's not mind blowingly great, which from this point forward, they're all amazing.
0: Yeah. Well, we've got a tent pole song, obviously at the beginning, and a tent pole song at the end of Side One, Darling Nikki. Sorry, Jason, I'm going to have to stop this now. You're not allowed to listen to this song.
1: <laughs> Tipper Gore says, press pause on your tape player, kick it out, and go tell your
0: mom you're grounded. Okay, so Tipper Gore catches her 11-year-old daughter, Karina, listening to this song. And she's like, she doing what with the magazine? <laughs> I remember hearing that line and, and I was like, that sounds painful. Maybe you get paper cuts or something. That's... Oh, she's looking at the magazine. Okay. <laughs> it makes so much more sense. This was the song that led Tipper Gore on her crusade, where she started the Parents Music Resource Center, which ultimately led to parental advisory stickers and a list of okay. songs that you're not allowed to hear. You are exactly right. Let's not gloss over that. Yeah. The reason
1: why we have those parental advisory stickers on every CD now. Yeah. Of course, nobody buys
0: CDs anymore. (laughs) It's because this song. Yes. So this song wasn't released as a single, but it hit number one on the Filthy 15 chart. (laughs) Right. This is the this is the top worst song that that the per- Parents Music Resource Center had on their list. Hey, listen, this song committed a couple
1: of sins. Okay. Uh huh. Parental sins, I should say. Yeah. Nikki was a sex fiend. Yes. We know that. Yeah. It also had backmasking.
0: Oh, yes. Which was, you know, the devil's work back in the day. Yeah. Except that if you actually listen to the backmasking backwards, it says, hello, how are you? Fine, fine. Because I know that the Lord is coming soon. Coming, coming soon.
1: Kind of an interesting uh, flip. Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, you have Christian overtones on a song called Darling Nikki. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I told you, man, he equates the two, but thank you, Tipper Gore, for giving us stickers so that we would know what the album was we wanted to buy (laughs) when we were teenagers.
1: That's right. We talked about the Filthy 15 back when we did ACDC and their song, Let Me Put My Love Into You. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, though, Darling Nikki may be one of the most controversial songs of the 1980s.
0: Yep. Turns out Karina Gore went on to seminary and is now actually a professor at the seminary school, like a dean, maybe. So she made it okay. Well, you know. Even if she listened to Darling Nikki. Oh,
1: well, that's good.
0: I'm glad to hear that.
1: You know, in 2001, when Prince got serious about his Jehovah's Witness faith, Mm -hmm. he moved away from songs like this, and this one in particular. Yeah. He would not play this one live. Right. And in fact, I listened to a guy and he he went to a Prince concert and Prince started the
0: song and everybody's like, (gasps) here it is. And he's like, no, I can't. I'm not going to play that one for you. Oh, man. He stopped playing. Put it on the shelf. Yep. For six years. Played it again in 2007.
1: Welcome back. <laughs> okay. All right.
0: Sounds good. Time to hit stop on your
1: tape player. Kick it out. Flip it over. Side two for Purple Rain. This song is When Doves Cry.
0: going to be naked in a bathtub (laughs) (laughs) sorry as a throwback to our sign of the times episodes go check that out another amazing song the guitar at the beginning of this gives me chills so this one do you know how this came about tell me Albert Magnoli the director of the movie was like hey we need music to go over the parents fighting with each other in this awkward relationship and Prince is like okay I'll go write that and it's supposed to be partially inspired by his relationship with Susan Moonsey who is a member of Vanity 6 and Apollonia 6. Right. (laughs) out the leads, and it's the same group. By the way, why six? There's three girls. I don't know. I can think of just a few things that there's six of, and they were prominently displayed (laughs) in the live show. Yes, their eyes, their ears, (laughs) something. Anyway, so he writes this song, and Jill Jones, who had performed with him on Wednesday, which was a song that was supposed to be on this album, she's the one that says, it sounds too conventional. In the conversation, the idea was, take out the bass and so we have this song that becomes a number one hit and becomes the best selling single of 1984 and it has no bass that's really the big story on this there is no bass when they play the show live there is a bass line. he does play the bass when it's live and not only was it interesting because of this but then we have the video which is weird it's Prince crawling naked on the ground out of a bathtub with doves flying around him. And he's the one that directed it. Prince directed this mm-hmm. video, but it's controversial because of some strong sexual overtones. This was the
1: song of the summer of 1984.) In our Huey Lewis episode, where I'm like, you know, if this was it, was like huge for me the summer of '84. Yeah, but this song reached number one on July 7th, 1984, and was number one for five weeks. It owned that summer, and it was on like on my local radio station. They played it every hour. Is it a pop song? Is it a guitar song? Is it both? Is it
0: something we've never heard before? It's it's amazing, it's incredible. So because this came along later on, because the request for the song came later on, this one that was not performed by the Revolution for the album. This was all prints. Wrote it, played it, played every instrument on it.
1: Yeah. He had actually finished the soundtrack. I think they may have even started the initial pressings of it. Mm-hmm. And he came in, he said, guys, I got one more song. And they were like, no, we've, we've barely fit everything in there as it is. And he's like, no, you're going to want this one on there. Uh... You think? Wow.
0: The number one single in 1984? How many stories have we told where the last song to come up in the process is the best song on the album? Yeah. This one is certainly, I mean, it's the best selling single of 1984. It may be the best song of 1984 in a year where the competition is incredibly high. And this one, they changed the rules on how to get a platinum single. Before they changed the rules to make it easier, this was the last single to reach Platinum Stats.
1: Okay. Let me talk to you about this, okay? Yep. We've talked about how this song is sounds different, mm-hmm. there's no bass line, you know, you've got two different solos, and you've got these sort of weird sounds at the end, he's kind of doing some weird vocalization at the end, yep. and it's five and a half minutes long. It's a risky choice for the first single, because we talked about it, if it bombs out of the gate, do they market Purple Rain like crazy? Yeah, I would have thought that Let's Go Crazy would have been a much
0: safer choice for the first single. Absolutely. But this one comes out and it is a huge smash. Huge smash, number one, followed by another number one, followed by the movie, of course it's going to do well. This is why the movie, I mean, we talked about it before, there's no reason this movie should have been a success other than this album coming out first and these two songs being the lead singles. The video is like an ad for the movie. I mean, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so before we finish up with it, we got to talk about this last synthesizer solo. So as I mentioned, Prince did all of the instrumentation on this, right? Well, he slowed down the track <laughs> to half speed, lowered it an octave, and then sped it back up to get it so where it's the same sound. It fits the sound correctly, right? Smart. Very smart. But Dr. Fink then had to learn how to play at (laughs) full speed whenever they did their live shows. (laughs) Good luck with that, dude. When you hear this, you have to be playing the air piano on your dashboard or your steering wheel or whatever. Wherever you are, you're doing that little keyboard bit with your fingers. For sure. 100%. Okay. You know what else was a huge hit in 1984?
1: Dancing in the Dark by Bruce Springsteen. Yes. Only made it to number two because it could not push this one out of the way. Couldn't unseat when Dove's Cry. I hate to leave it. It literally may be the best song in the 1980s. It
0: really is. But the good news is the next song is I Would Die For You. Mm. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. John 15 13 man quoting scripture well that's what this song is about it is so good it's I am something you'll never understand it is I'm willing to lay down my life for you and you know what it's such a happy, great song. It's a good way to have a Hollywood end to a otherwise pretty dark movie. It's an amazing pop song. Yeah.
1: And like you said, in the movie, after we reach that emotional peak of Purple Rain, where Purple Rain comes in, he plays it, it clears the deck, it solves all the problems. It, it is the awesome climax of Purple Rain. Then you finish with two super fun songs where you have this song and then the next song we're going to talk about. And it's just, it's just good old-fashioned, awesome pop fun.
0: Absolutely. I think when he did, when he had his conversion, he stopped saying, I'm the Messiah. I think he started saying, when he would sing it live, he would say, he's the Messiah. Yep.
1: This song was released November 24th, 1984.
0: This reached number eight on the Hot 100. How did this song only get to number eight? Another top 10 hit. Uh, But it should be, I mean, it should be closer to number one than eight. It's pop gold. It's Um, pop gold. So the B-side on this one was a song called Another Lonely Christmas. It is a much downer song than than this song. This is Happy-Go-Lucky. The other side's about a guy spending Christmas alone because his significant other died on Christmas Day the year before. It's tragic.
1: Well, I'll tell you this. Some people open presents on Christmas. Other people open their wrists.
0: Okay, gremlins. (laughs) So that's how I found out there was no Santa Claus. (laughs) Flashback to our Gremlins episode. We got Sheila E. on this one.
1: Yeah. Sheila E. becoming a prominent member of Prince's Entourage.
0: When they would do this tour, Sheila E. was a part of the show and she would come back out for this song and play the drums and they would sing it together on the song. It's a great song.
1: Yeah. What else is there to say other than it's so fun. It's pop gold. There's nothing else to say. Let's (laughs) go on to Baby, I'm a Star. It slides right into Baby, I'm a Star.
0: Okay, so does the beginning part of this song make you think of the scene in Batman where Jack Nicholson is dancing around? Yes, the Joker parade scene. There is a reason for that, right? This is the song that was supposed to be in that scene. And it was just going to be the only Prince song in the soundtrack, but then Prince got signed on to do the entire soundtrack. That's awesome. And so he said, we're going to take that song out and we're going to put in a song called 200 Balloons. And they went, can we go back to the other song? He's like, okay, (laughs) I'm sorry, we won't do 200 Balloons, but I've got another song that's much closer to baby I'm a star and the song is called trust and we can play that right here you see how close it is
1: that's exactly like
0: baby I'm a star yes you got no question when you're hearing this this is Prince right and so that's how we get that awesome image but this one this song actually came about in 1981 this whole album other than this song was written 83 ish right right and this one actually he had written before december of 81 when he had just started to become famous and he's like baby i'm gonna stop (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's great and your your batman ref is awesome why didn't somebody tell me he's got one of those things <laughs> okay so there's that string part right there that uh, that little tune that musical tune it reminds me a lot of Raspberry Beret.
0: Yeah, it's the same. You got, again, we, I mentioned it before. This is Novi Novag. She's the one playing the strings on this, arranged by... Winnie and Lisa. Right. You, you get the same sound, same string sound when you have Raspberry Beret. That's why they sound the same. When Novi came in to record this, I, this is like completely the opposite of what I would expect from Prince. But she came in and she was like, okay, I'm going to try it out. She plays it and she's like, okay, I think I've got it. He's like, nope, that's good. She's like, <laughs> no, I can do it better than that. He's like, no, I really liked the the energy that you had on that one. I don't want to use anything else. And she's like,
1: okay. Thanks, Guess I'll <laughs> knock off early then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Baby, I'm a star. I would die for you. Let's Go Crazy and Purple Rain were all played at First Avenue on August 3rd, 1983, for that concert.
0: The benefit for the Minnesota Dance Dance Theater. Theater. Yes.
1: When I think about that, I'm like, man, there's a few concerts that I would have killed to have been at, right? I mean, we're talking about Live Aid, the Moscow Peace Festival, and that night at First Avenue in Minnesota on August 3rd, to hear these songs played for the first time?
0: It's like the Lost Ark being opened, well, in a good way, not the bad one. (laughs) At the end of Fridges' Lost Ark. I mean, this is a moment where we get the title song for the movie. Albert, we talked about it during the movie episode. Albert Magnolia is in the audience, hears them play Purple Rain along with those other songs. And he's like, that song needs to be the key song to my movie. They hadn't put live music on an album before this.
1: It's incredible. These songs were played live. Now they overdubbed some and they added some vocalizations and some strings to them, but these were plucked right out of that concert.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This song almost always follows I Would Die For You whenever they play it live. They blend together perfectly. It's kind of like we will rock you and We Are the Champions. You gotta hear these two songs. You play one, one you other. get the other. You right? gotta have the other. They're 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 a pair. All right. You done with this one? Are we ready to tackle this beast? This talk about saving the best for last, man. This is so good. I never
1: meant to call.
0: okay hold on hold on, hold on. What, what? push pause push pause hold on yeah i just got to talk about this for just a second okay i've talked about four chord songs before and how like there there's a million rock pop hits that are the same four chords right yes we got don't stop believing we got africa we've got minute work down under all kinds of songs same four chords Faithfully by Journey, which we'll talk about here in just a second, right? Same four chords. So this song is a four chord song, literally the entire song is only four chords long but what happens is something amazing with these four chords that's unlike the other songs. Okay. So normally in a four chord song, depending on the key, you're going to have B flat, G minor, F and E flat. Okay. That's normally what you would have. There's, if you put it in a different key, it'd be A, D, F sharp minor and E. I mean, it's just, they are, they bear the same relationship to each other on the scales, right? Okay. So this one though, you have an entirely different voicing for each of the chords. So instead of having B flat, you have a B flat nine, which makes it a much prettier sounding chord. Let's listen to the first chord. And then that transitions into not just a G minor, but a G minor seven suspended four, which is again, so beautiful. And then this one's the basic chord. It goes right into that F except the other guitar plays an F minor. So every single chord, he's taking these that four chord song, but he's turning it into something bigger and better and more beautiful. And then he finishes off, not with an E flat, but with an E flat nine, which is this beautiful chord. Okay, now we can just play this. One.
1: Wow. I never meant to call you you
0: I never
1: meant to call you in pain. I don't want to watch that I see you laughing. I only want to see you landing in the purple way. You know, they were following Bob Seger around when yep. they were touring. And they were kind of chasing him around the states and prince went to to matt fink one day and he's like man these white people in the heartland (laughs) they love bob seeger i don't really get it tell me why they're so into it and matt fink says well it's just this it's just this kind of heartland thing right they want to sing along and they want to be moved and they want to want to feel a part of it and so prince modeled this song purple rain after turn the page
0: so Interestingly, this song started out. It wasn't gonna be a song for him. It was gonna be a song for Stevie Nicks. Yeah. And it wasn't this power ballad, it was a country style song. He sends it to Stevie Nicks and it's about ten minutes. I mean, he gives her ten minutes of these four chords over and over again. (laughs) He's like, Will you just write some lyrics to this and you sing it and it'll be our song together? And it freaks her out. And she's like, This is overwhelming. I can't do this. I'm scared. I'm gonna mess it up. It's too beautiful. I don't wanna touch it. Here's it back. Yeah. And so they bring it back into their studio, into their rehearsals. And it's one of the first times that they have Wendy rehearsing with them and they start playing the kind of country style chord progression. And Wendy is the one who does this voicing with the chords that I just talked about. And when she does that, it completely eliminates the country sound and it brings it into that power ballad world that we love.
1: You know, when you're talking about Stevie Nicks, she gave it back to him and said, basically, like you said, it's it's too epic, it's too grand, I can't handle it. But she also added, it was an olive branch of him giving me that cassette, which was huge, but I think he would have liked to had
0: a romance with me as well. Well, she is Stevie Nicks.
1: That is shocking. Well,
0: not really. <laughs> okay, so this song spent two weeks in the number two position it never made it to number one do you know what kept it out of the spot wake me up before you go go do leave me hanging on like yo
1: wake me up before you go go oh my god <laughs> Hey, George Michael and Andrew Ridgeley had some power in 1984. Human
0: beings of the world. I love that song, but it should not have kept out the Purple Master. I agree. It's just, yeah, it's tragic. That song was released September 26, 1984, made it to number two, blocked by Wham! So after he had put this song together, he realized it sounded a lot like one of those four chord songs, Faithfully, right by Journey. Yeah, he actually
1: called Jonathan Cain. Yes, he called Jonathan Cain and he said, "Hey, here's a tape of this song.
0: I'm afraid that I copied you. Would you listen to it? And make sure that you're cool with this." Right. And if you if you're trying to figure that out in your head, listen to those first four chords and then go down now 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 down now 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 and you will hear it. Yeah. But awesome. Jonathan Cain said, "No, man. It's just the same four chords. This is obviously a completely different song." Okay, so the first time that you hear the words purple and rain put together in music is a song by this band called America called Ventura Highway. Uh, this blew me away. So it just, it's the last, it's kind of the last bit of one of the lyrics in the song. Prince takes it and obviously makes it his own. Do you know what purple rain is? Do you know what it's supposed to be?
1: Yeah, I mean, I read this where it's talking about you have a blue sky and you've got blood in the sky and therefore you have purple rain. Right, which, for me, that was a little bit of a, a revelation. I remember the lyrics from 1999 where he's talking about, the sky was all purple, there
0: are people running everywhere. Sky was all purple, there were people running everywhere. Yeah, could have sworn it was Judgment Day. Sky was all purple, there were people running everywhere. So it's about... The end of the world. And that's what this song is about. Wow. Back when I was in middle school, Uh we had this little riddle we
1: used to tell each other. Yes. That uh, blue thunder plus red dawn equals
0: purple rain. (laughs) There you go. How creative. That's why I'm here. (laughs) Nuggets like that, ladies okay. and gentlemen. Okay. And so we've mentioned it multiple times now, but just as a reminder, this was one of the songs at the benefit for the Minnesota Dance Theater. This was the first concert that Wendy Melvoin played. She was only 19 years old when she played with them. At the time, they brought recording equipment with them. They didn't know what it was going to be about. They just knew <laughs> Prince just does this stuff. So David Z, who is the brother of Bobby Z, brings over recording equipment. And thank goodness, because, I mean, Bobby Z said it was one of the best concerts they've ever ever done and you're talking about i've got the drummer for the revolution says one of the best concerts we've ever done so glad that they have the foresight to do that he's got a huge prince is not what i would describe as a great singer like he does his voice is good and it's it's enjoyable to listen to him But it's not like he's, it's not, he's not some amazing Steve Perry-esque kind of singer. Right. But his vocal range on this one, he goes from a B flat 2 all the way up to a C sharp 6, which is a huge, huge vocal range for one song.
1: Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, you can see that on the beautiful ones, I think. That range is there. Yeah. One of the things I want to talk about, just briefly, is the Super Bowl.
0: Super Bowl 41, 2007. Do you remember who the pe- who the teams were that were it playing? It was the Bears and the Colts, I
1: believe. Very
0: good. It's really hard to remember the teams, yeah. but it sure is easy to remember Prince.
1: Hey, we posted on Facebook during the Super Bowl. I was watching the Super Bowl with you at your house. Yeah. And I just threw it out there. And I'm like, we're, we're watching the Super Bowl performance. I'm like, what, what are we watching here? You know? Right. <laughs> so I threw it out there on our Facebook page. And I said, dig, if you will, a picture of the world's best Super Bowl performer ever.
0: And the response was unanimous (laughs) and overwhelming. Thank you all of our Facebook friends. It blew up. But it was, again, this magical moment. Like that concert was a magical moment. The halftime show was a magical moment because he goes through these songs. He had played Baby, I'm a Star. And the last song that he plays is Purple Rain. And lo and behold, it starts to rain on the concert, and there are purple lights making the (laughs) rain purple. I mean, you just, you can't get any more religious experience than that. It was
1: fantastic.
0: Yeah, amazing. Moment of silence for Prince's Super Bowl performance. Tragically, this is also the last song he ever performed live. He performed this April 14th, 2016, one week before he died. Is that right? Yep. I did not
1: realize that,
0: but what a great way to end that epic career. Wow, Wow. Okay.
1: Are we done with Purple Rain? I just want to throw a couple of songs a bone here real quick, Okay. Sure. Yeah. they weren't on the Purple Rain soundtrack, which was interesting. So Morse Day in the time have Jungle Love, jungle love yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and the bird. Which feature prominently in the movie. But Prince made it clear to Morris Day, he's like, listen, you put those songs on your own album. I'm gonna make my own album, and this is gonna be my thing, right? So Jungle Love and the Bird feature prominently in the movie. Both great songs. Jungle Love was a big hit in 1985. Then, of course, you also have Sex Shooter by Apollonia Six. Not a great song. It's okay. Yeah, Apollonia looks fantastic. She does. And so there you go. Now, are we ready for final judgment? It
0: purple rain. It is judgment day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the sky was all purple. There are people running everywhere. <laughs> Footloose soundtrack. Yep.
0: Versus Purple Rain soundtrack. The go. I mean, there's no question. It's it's overwhelming. You have a phenomenal album. Phenomenal. Footloose has hit after hit after hit. It's the f- album that knocked Thriller out of the number one spot and then stayed in that spot for 10 solid weeks. You've got performers at the top of their game. You've got Kenny Loggins, you've got Denise Williams, you've got Ann Wilson and Mike Reno. I mean, there's just an amazing amount of talent in this album, but it's a pop album. It was made, It was. it's a wake me up before you go, go album. It is made to be accessible to the public and it's not musically intricate. On the other hand, you have Prince, taking songs that not only have those pop sensibilities, but you have the musicianship of him and the revolution. I mean, they, they've they got to get a lot of credit in this one, but it's conceivably the best album of the decade in a decade of great albums. It is conceivably the best. It is the best album of 1984. It is. And you got a lot of good stuff that year. So sorry, Footloose. You've got some great stuff. You definitely are a big hitter, but there's no way you can overcome the purple one. What are your thoughts?
1: That's tough to follow up right there. That was pretty pretty on the nose. (laughs) I love the Footloose soundtrack. When you talk about the 80s, the soundtrack was a really big deal. If you had music videos and songs that went with your movie, they kind of went hand in hand and helped each other out. Footloose hit it right on the nose. And and what we say, there were like six uh, hits of the top 40, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six out of nine. Yeah. I mean, every song but one was released as a single. Yeah. It was a huge album. And it was a number one seller and it knocked Thriller out of the top spot. And I love it. If you tell me that Footloose is the second best soundtrack of the 80s, I'll go with you on that.
0: It is, yeah.
1: But it can't overcome the mass amazing appeal of Purple Rain. Purple Rain, I'm spiking the football, is the best album of the 1980s. And since I only listened to albums basically in the 80s and 90s, it's probably my favorite album
0: of all time. Wow. Better than Thriller?
1: Yes, because I like Bad better than Thriller. Better than Bad. <laughs> yes, yes. Purple Rain is the best album that we've covered so far, and I don't see anything topping it.
0: Yeah, well, it's uh, it's hard to argue with that. It really is. And we mention this frequently. We've got a lot of Ready Player One fans. You still haven't read Ready Player Two yet. I have, but I will just say... Prince and the Afterworld is a major faceted part of this book. You've got to go read it. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, you know what? We really didn't do Judgment Day on movies. On movies. Yeah. That's what we got to do next is okay. So we're obviously both on the same page. Purple Rain, Far and Away, the better album. Yes. Footloose, or Purple Rain movie wise, you go first. Okay.
1: Time. All right. Now listen, fully admitting that I am born and raised in Oklahoma. So there is a soft spot in my heart for stories that are born here. Elmore City is right down the road from where we're recording right now.
0: So yeah, thank you again to Arlen for all of those incredible stories. That Arlen, those see. were
1: fantastic stories. Yeah. So I love the movie Footloose probably more than the average Joe on the street. With that said, the movie Footloose, the cast alone is amazing. I mean, John Lithgow, Kevin Bacon, Lori Singer does a great job. Chris Penn is awesome. Sarah Jessica Parker, and she's on her way up. She looks great. Diane Weist is awesome. The Kids Leaving a Church is awesome. <laughs> Purple Rain is a movie held up by the songs. Now, you have Prince at the height of his powers performing amazingly, and Apollonia is gorgeous. But this is propped up by the songs. So when it comes to the movies... Footless is clearly the better movie. Purple Rain is clearly the better soundtrack. That's where I am spiking the football.
0: Well... You don't need to spike the football on me, man. We're we're again on the exact same page on this one. Purple Rain, the movie is like you said, it's carried along by the music. It is a music video followed by some boy meets girl, boy loses, girl, boy gets girl back story. That's great. I mean, it's Prince's story and it's entertaining, but it's not a movie that if I saw it, I'm going to be like, oh, Purple Rain, I got to watch that, you know. Maybe the Lake Minitaka scene, but that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, you get to the opening scene of Let's Go Crazy, you get Lake Manitaka and you get Probaranthium.
0: Yeah, you get, yeah. I'm watching that first those first two, and then I'm like, all right, footloose on. <laughs> footloose, I'll go back and watch again and again. It is I mean, you you can't grab a CD of a movie as you're going out the door, but if I'm finding things to watch on TV, I'll watch Footloose. I'll watch it over and over again. It had been a long time since I'd seen it. And I, like you said, the performances made this movie. Kevin Bacon, this was his first really big breakout role, but he did a phenomenal job with it. And we talked about how it was that going to the high school for one day, just one day of being in high school, completely changed the way that he decided to portray this character. And it was a key to the movie. And John Lithgow met with the preacher for just one meeting and it completely influenced how he played this preacher. And as a grown man watching this movie, I'm like, this guy is not an evil, you know, beaten thumping the Bible, hell and brimstone preacher like I thought he was. He's a guy who is concerned about the well-being of the people. He lost a son. And I think you you mentioned this. This is about a son who's lost a father, and a father who's lost a son, and them making peace with each other. And that is a movie that you just don't see very often. And then the fact that you've got, yeah, you've got, you've got the young kids dancing their hearts out, trying to beat the oppressor. Brilliant. Brilliant movie. Obviously the winner. Okay.
1: How about this? One last curveball. Okay. Rake them one, two, three, four. Okay.
0: Purple Rain soundtrack, Footloose movie, Footloose soundtrack, Purple Rain movie. One, two, three, four. Okay. I'm going Purple Rain soundtrack.
1: Footloose soundtrack, Footloose movie, Purple Rain movie. Yeah. Okay? Yeah.
0: We would love to hear from you. Where are you guys on this? Yeah, rank them one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four for us. (laughs) (laughs) We've had a lot of fun doing a
1: four-parter on these two.
0: Uh, Such a good time. Such a good time.
1: Hey, next week, we are coming back with Alien versus Aliens.
0: Oh, my gosh. We are off Summer of 84. Right. We're we'll now. return we'll return to eighty four in just a few weeks yeah. because we're gonna we're gonna throw in Terminator and Terminator two after that. Woo! And then we're gonna compare all four of those movies since they're so heavily James Cameron, not all, but heavily, and and see how they all match up against each other. We'll do a one, two, three, four on that one as well.
1: All right, next week, 1979, Alien, come back and join us then.
0: If you're still listening, you've enjoyed the show, please hit the follow button, hit the subscribe button, whatever's on your podcast app, please hit that. It helps us so much. If you're really feeling generous, go
1: to our Patreon page. We're independently funded. We do this on our own. There is a little cost involved in it. If you want to help us out a little bit, we'd sure appreciate it. Patreon forward slash Shirley Podcast. Thank you for a Funky time. Dad. Never you wanna grab